Hey, one of the big lessons that I've learned in my 20, 25 years of research into revivals in the past is that each revival is a little bit different than the last one. And the reason for that is revival is an appearance of Jesus to his people. And Jesus, the rabbi, Jesus, the teacher, is going to open up a classroom. And the purpose of the classrooms is to teach the life in the spirit. So right around the year 1500 or so, uh, Jesus is going to begin to reintroduce the concept of the kingdom of God as a by my spirit kingdom. So the, the Christians of the Middle Ages had, I'm sorry to say, perverted the whole idea of the kingdom of God into a worldly let's make a lot of money and let's have a lot of power kind of thing. And so uh, this brought a, a, an enormous corruption into the church. And we don't need to go into that, but I, I do deal with it a little bit in my book uh, on Glory Through Time, Volume 2, which is coming out soon. But, and, and by the eight, 16th century, um, Jesus is, is reintroducing the by my spirit vision of the kingdom of God, okay? And so he's going to do this through a series of revival tides, and each revival tide is going to introduce a different piece of the Holy Spirit ministry. And in other words, how do you walk in the Holy Spirit? Well, it's not simple. It's complicated. It starts with the surrender of your life to him, and then he becomes your king, and then you learn to hear his voice, and you, you learn to operate by scriptural principles rather than the, the principles of the world. And uh, the kingdom of God is a by-my-spirit kingdom, and it takes a whole lifetime to figure out what that means. So, Jesus is going to teach classes, and each revival tide is going to offer a new class. And then there's going to be the other class that was just offered in the previous revival tide, but now we're going to have two classes, and then three classes, and then four classes. You get the idea. In other words, Christians are going to have to learn how to learn new things as they come out of this massive pattern of mistaken Christianity that I'm calling power and might Christianity. And they're learning what was the original vision in the Bible, which is by my spirit Christianity. Okay, that's how we enter into the kingdom of God. We learn this other pattern. So you can look at the revival tides of the 16th century in Scotland, and it's all about back to the Bible. It's the class is back to the Bible class. You got to get the Bible. That's the only place where the real vision of God for his kingdom is taught. And if you don't have the Bible, you, you're just not going to get it because the world offers power and might. And, and, and the Bible is the vision of God for this alternative. And he's going to offer classes 
during revival tides. The first classes are, you've got to get the vision. You've got to know where the vision is set forth, and that's in the Bible. So he starts by offering a basic Bible class. You get to the 17th century, end of the 16th, and moving into the 17th century, and we're going to move on from that. In other words, we're going to, we're going to see that there's more to Christianity than just memorizing Bible passages, having catechisms, having good doctrine, going to church, having doctrines taught from the pulpit by preachers who teach uh, Protestantism and, and uh, Reformed doctrines, but there's more to it now. In other words, we're, we're, we've learned how to read the Bible, and we've learned how to base our understanding of what God is doing on biblical concepts. But now we're going to have to learn that uh, those concepts bring a real relationship with God. And so you've got a guy named George Fox who is discovering that you can hear the voice of God. Not just lunatics, but people, you know, just ordinary people can hear the voice of God. Is just what it says in John 10, you know, uh, my people will hear my voice. And that's the way Jesus uh, offers to lead us out of deception and false doctrines and, and get us into right thinking in the normal uh, struggles of life. So we've got to learn how to hear the voice of God. And, uh, and that starts with this guy, George Fox, who starts the Society of Friends, which becomes the Quakers. And they're, they're coming together and they're just learning to listen for the voice of God. So that's, they become quiet and they see, God, are you going to speak to us? And then somebody gets up and says, I think God is saying this to me. And so that's what Quaker worship looked like because they were learning this new lesson how to hear the voice of God. And so more and more people are going to learn that lesson. Today, all kinds of people have learned to, to hear the voice of God. Um, but it's had to start with somebody during a revival tide. Do you get the idea? So Jesus offers a classroom and the first few people who hear his voice and say, look, he's saying this to me, and I think we're supposed to learn this, but they're, they're not going to be popular at first. They're going to be rejected. They're going to be persecuted, but they're going to be faithful to what Jesus is saying to them, and it may take two or three or four generations before more and more people take that class during future seasons of revival. Do you get the idea? So Jesus keeps offering that class during future seasons of revival, revival tides. Then along comes another season, and we're going to learn the law that brings freedom, that's based on free grace. So this is going to be the great evangelical revivals of the 17th century and the Great Awakening, and they're going to be taught by a radical guy by the name of George Whitfield. Whitfield just, uh, he was an amazing person who just hammered away on free grace, free grace, free grace. So, you know, it's, it's you know, we, we have the hymn Amazing Grace. It came out of that period 
from a guy named John Newton who walked with George Whitfield for quite a while. And so now uh, this is going to be the big lesson of the Great Awakening, free grace, which leads to the law that brings freedom, as uh, James describes it, James 2. Um, and, of course, it's based on the teaching of Jesus that uh, you have received grace. Now grace has to flow through you and you are required to give grace to others. So grace becomes the new principle. We're not following the laws of Moses here. We're not children of Moses. We're children of Abraham who followed a covenant of grace. And, and now Jesus has that kind of covenant for all of us. And we become children of Abraham because we're reawakening this whole idea of a covenant of grace. And, and uh, it's a new law. And that's going to bring freedom. So we, we, we become free ourselves because we're set free by the grace of Jesus on the cross. And uh, we receive that free grace. It, it, it boils around inside of us and it becomes a new principle of life where we are giving grace to others who have offended us. Okay, so that's a new principle that Christians are supposed to be living by. And, uh, and so here is a, a, a revival, a great awakening coming out of the, the great revivals of the 18th century. And then um, that becomes a new classroom. Okay, And many, 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 many people are going to learn how to live by that principle in the 18th and then into the 19th century. And then Jesus is going to have a second great awakening. There's going to be a whole set of new revival tides. And, and he's going to bring the search for freedom and the emancipation of slaves. The emancipation of slaves comes out of that revival. And it comes out of people who have received the revival of that period and they've got this revival. It, it's, a, it's the law that brings freedom, but now we're going, to, we're going to work for that for others. You get the idea? And so a guy named uh, Theodore Dwight Weld, who was a product of the Finney revival in the 19th century in New York, and he went, he went down and he became the great re, uh, 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 abolition evangelist and really the tip of the spear that that produced the end of slavery in this country uh, more than anybody else um, he he was the he was a, a major teacher for both uh, uh, John uh, Quincy Adams and also uh, the great abolitionists of later following the Civil War. But this guy was pre-Civil War, and he was uh, an amazing... I mean, he, the guy would, would preach the abolition of slavery, that slavery is a sin. It's of the devil. It's a power and might thing. It's not anything like what God wants for us. And, and we shouldn't even reimburse slave owners for their slaves. Just tell them to, to get rid of slavery. Em, emancipate slaves if you're a Christian. And so uh, he, this was very unpopular uh, when he first started preaching this. 
and uh, yet he he was practicing the law that brings freedom. He would let people throw stuff at him, kill his horses, you know, do all kinds of horrible things, say mean things to him, and when they were tired, then he would start speaking the truth, and people would start listening to him. And uh, sort of like Rocky, if you if you remember the Rocky movies, he he just let the the opponent uh, just do his worst, and and then he came out with the truth, and that was the principle that ended slavery in our country and also in Britain, and so uh, these uh, these two nations uh, were transformed by revival and people who got the new message of Jesus. And then uh, God introduced a new class called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And, and that lesson started with really Charles Finney and then Dw Dwight Moody and then two great teachers uh, that are, were out of the revival of, the, of 100 years ago, 112 years ago. And um, that was William Seymour and R.A. Torrey and... Um, huge numbers of people began to learn that there is an empowerment for Christian witness and service that God wants for all of us. And so that became the new classroom. And so I'm just uh, trying to show you this principle of the classrooms of the Holy Spirit that God would open up in each of these revival tides. And I describe these in my new book, um, Glory Through Time, Volume 2, The Forgotten Legacy of Transformational Revivals. So I'm, uh, I just sent that into my publisher today, and I'm eager for you to, to, to get all of this whole history of transformation, transformational revivals, the classrooms of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm excited. I'm hoping that you will be as excited as I am. Okay.